Hello and welcome to Librarians Aloud, a podcast about librarian journeys. I'm your host, Laura Rooney-Ferris. Well, it's been an absolutely amazing week. The sun has set on the 87th IFLA World Library and Information Congress, and I think Dublin put on a hell of a show. Congratulations to the Irish National Committee. You really did us proud, and I can only hope that you're all sleeping for a week now. To everyone who visited from around the world, I hope you'll be back soon. It was a once-in-a-career experience to have the Congress right on my doorstep and a great opportunity to meet up with old friends and colleagues, to forge new alliances and to meet some people I'd previously only known virtually. This is the first of two episodes I recorded this week at the Congress and they'll be released back to back. I was delighted to meet up in person with Joanna Anderson. Joanna is a subject librarian at the University of Gloucestershire and she's also the founder of the ebook SOS campaign to address the spiralling and unsustainable pricing in the ebook market. Joanna has worked tirelessly on the campaign since 2020, highlighting the acceleration of the cracks in the ebook market following the COVID 19 pandemic. Along with fellow campaigners Caroline Ball and Rachel Bickley, Joanna penned an open letter to the chair of the UK Parliamentary Education Select Committee and petitioned the Competition and Markets Authority. I caught up with Joanna between sessions at the Congress to ask her about her journey into the library world and the origins of the ebook SOS campaign and how we can support it. I was recording on the fly in the corridors at the convention centre, so there is a bit of background noise and at one point, about 12 minutes in, we had to get mobile and move down the hallway uh, to avoid some catering staff, but hopefully it gives you a little flavour of the ambient sounds of the convention centre. Thank you so much for joining me on Librarians Allowed. How are you finding IFLA so far? Thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm really happy to be talking to you. Um, I'm loving it. It's so busy. There's so much going on. There's people from all over. Um, Yes, I've just been making the most of it. Yeah, it's a bit overwhelming. I'm feeling a bit fatigued now. I need a little rest. Um, We can make it to the end. We can, yeah. I can see the finish line. (laughs) I can get there, but with a couple of naps in between. Absolutely. Um, So, how did you get started in libraries? What's your library origin story? So, like a lot of people, it was kind of accidental. Mm. So, (laughs) I I originally did a fine art degree and then didn't know what to do with it because I wasn't actually very good at art. (laughs) I just liked it at school, so somebody Mm. said do a fine art degree, so I did. Um, I'd say it was fun though. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun, it was fun. Um, So I travelled for a bit, came back, still didn't know what to do and I needed some money, so there was a job Mm. uh, advertised in the local university library and I was the person that said, oh I love books, (laughs) I'll go work in the (laughs) library. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I work in the library, and I remember the funniest thing is I remember um, agonising to my friend about because I was offered a job in a shop. It was, mm. That would have been awful. And then I was offered this job in the library, and I was agonising to a friend about how this might be a bit quiet working in the library. And <laughs> boring, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and boring. And little did I know. And then the rest is history. Really, I I got really lucky with. Um, I had a really supportive manager who 
less than a year in, asked me if I wanted to do a librarianship master's. And if I'm honest, I didn't really know what that meant or yeah. what librarians did. But I thought, hey, yeah, anything for free. Yeah, I? that's a good boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Self-potential. Yeah, yeah, I'll be like, yeah, I'll do that. And so uh, I just threw myself into it, loved mm. it. And um, So what university was that that you started at? The University of Gloucestershire, so the mm. one I'm still at. But mm. I've done, I've um, had several different roles. Um and work my way up really to subject librarian. So you were given this opportunity, someone yeah. said, do you want to be a librarian? Mm-hmm. And you stepped up and said, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I was like, well, useless art degree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's come in very useful. It has come in very useful. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody who's got art degrees, but you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to get anywhere with it. So yeah, um, and I just, yeah, I just, there are a lot of people that did the master's course who were doing, you know, doing it as a tick box because they had to for their yeah. jobs and just wanted to get it done as soon as possible. But I just, I loved it. I was one of the people mm. that was like at the front of the class, furiously <laughs> <laughs> scribbling yeah. notes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I really enjoyed the research. You, you so rarely get opportunities in in libraries to do any research, yeah. and I loved that aspect of it. Yeah. So that often happens um, with people who go into librarianship when they take that first step in they sort of realise wait a minute this is actually all the things I love to do and I didn't realise there was a job that you could do it in yeah yeah exactly and um, it's so varied I'm, I mean I'm, I'm lucky in my role that I'm I'm not a librarian that just does teaching or just does mm. cataloguing or just does this up the other I've got every aspect in my in my role because we're so small so I do I still do the I've got my own book budget I go out and do mm. teaching I collection development this kind of thing and I think it's it's given me a broad range of skills and interest I think I'd probably get a bit I'd find it a bit repetitive maybe if I yeah. was just in one one particular aspect mm. it's of the upside it. of working in a smaller um, mm. organization that yeah. you get to do a little bit of everything and you can just kind of the role yourself. Yeah. So when you finished your qualification then, did you kind of want to take a different direction with it or? Um, um, I was, so I was thinking of, I had toyed with an idea of doing a PhD because I, I did my um, dissertation, uh, I did some research in Malawi in a primary school library in oh, rural wow. Malawi and I was looking at uh, library aid for mm. want of a better, better word of, because we were constantly being asked by charities for old books that they could take to the African continent normally (laughs) to um, stock libraries with and I was just thinking why would why would they want our junk I often think that we're weeding something from our collection that we make this assumption that it's good if it's not good enough for us why should we assume that it's good enough for them yeah yeah exactly and I went over and um, the charity said all the right things but I went there and one of the first texts I saw on this this um, school primary school library bookshelf mm. was cooking with food processors, and it was in a small village mm-hmm. with no electricity, and the the ingredients they had to hand were very different to the ingredients that were listed in these books. And what yeah. primary school children want to read a book about primary cooking with children food are not processors? Usually, particularly interested in making like a blancmange or no, <laughs> no, you wouldn't put that in a school library here. So why? And it was just it, 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 there was a lot of there were a lot of. Um, 
it was very problematic yeah and so um, and I, I collected a lot of data I interviewed the all of the school teachers and the and the children at the school and the um, guy who looked after the library and I, I loved that aspect of it Mm. And I got far too much data to fit into my dissertation, so I was thinking of taking that forward and doing a PhD. But just then, it was when the economic crisis hit and yeah. funding was pretty scarce, and you just felt lucky to have a job at the time. Yeah. So, you know how life takes over. I never got round to doing the the PhD side of things. And now, since then, I've had so many friends that have done PhDs, and they've just gone. They've just said to me, "Don't do it." Yeah, everybody I know <laughs> is like. Just don't. <laughs> don't do it. Wait I, for people that doing it, but I'm, I'm tempted every now and then. But yeah, anyone I talk to says no, don't do it. But it sounds like a really interesting piece of applied research, though, to actually go out to Malawi, and you know, that's the sort of up research finding that you you have to be there. Yeah, you had to go in to see that book on the shelf to see. I think we're doing something wrong here. Um, yeah, yeah. And so you so you stayed on. In, in Gloucester then? Yeah, yeah, and it, I, I got, because of that, this, the research that I was doing, that is, and the, the masters that I did, I mean, there's some debate as to whether masters in librarianships are, librarianship be useful or not, but mm. it really gave me the space and opportunity to really learn about how political information is and yeah. how it, it's, and its role in social justice mm. which I think we take for granted very often mm. and that that I mean it, that, that hadn't really been discussed that much on the talk part of the course but doing the research and, and doing the background reading for my literature review and going out and mm. uh, into the into this community um, really brought home to me how important ethics and librarianship is and how important our job is to fight for yeah, quality access to information for 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 people, um, mm. and I really I don't know that really excited me, and and it felt like librarianship had a really important social purpose where yeah. I'd not really picked that up before from mm. talking to librarians and working in the library. Yeah, I suppose your perception of the what the role of a librarian is mm-hmm. when you're outside of the profession is not one that would Im- immediately make you think that they're strongly aligned with social justice and with the levelling of inequalities and yet we are and I suppose we're probably becoming a lot stronger about our role in um, addressing inequities and the political economy of information yeah. as, as the we develop, as the profession develops and as was in the reality we cur- we're currently living in, um, economically, politically, <laughs> the climate, um, that feels like something we're stepping up into a lot more. Um, I know I don't have you for, for very long because you're you're very much in demand. <laughs> you're spreading yourself very thin. So I'm going <laughs> to move on to, just uh, while we're on the subject of librarians kind of strengthening their voice as champions for um, social justice, breaking down of inequalities how did you first start getting involved in examination of ebook prices and what you would then go on to do of developing the ebook sos campaign where did you first start kind of digging into pricing of ebooks and realizing i think there's something really rotten going on here 
Well, before, before we all knew there were difficulties yeah. with e-books before the, the whole pandemic, um, but we had alternatives so we could buy hard copy if we wanted to. Um, and then uh, lockdown happened and I was sitting at home, like m- many people in my yeah. spare room, with students who were quite distressed trying to study from home and mm. finish their dissertations and do exams, this, this kind of thing, and they couldn't access the books because the, the library was shut down. And um, so I was, I was desperately trying to find alternative e-books that they could use, and I was just spending hour after hour after hour searching all these complicated platforms, vendor platforms, mm. aggregating uh, aggregated packages, trying to access the books and I would just hit walls all the time this isn't available in your region this yes that dreaded uh, uh, yeah 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 this book while it's 30 pounds in hard copy it's 400 pounds for one user license oh only 400 pounds that seems a bit small comparison to some of the prices and I was just so frustrated and not only that we were all we were all struggling, like everybody was struggling with the emotional toll and the shock waves that the pandemic has, has sent through everybody where you, mm. you I, I live on my own, I was yes. sitting in my room on my own trying to, trying to um, help students and it, it made me feel, when I could help a student and help them mm. find information and make them feel better, um, I would, every time I had an online meeting with students helping them find resources, the first thing I'd say to them was, it was how are you doing? Yeah. How, are you okay? Because that was really important. Mm. And um, that made me feel better. And when I couldn't help them and I couldn't give them the resources, I was, it was just so frustrating and it made me feel yeah. really helpless and mm. it feels counter to what our role is supposed to yes. be too like I hate that um, you know there's a detective element to being a librarian when you're mm. trying to track something down and if you can't find it it's uh, you just feel useless and yes. I hate going back to someone with a no response and not being able to give them even an alternative so yeah, it's very yeah. frustrating yeah exactly and they were we're going to move down the corridor a little bit <laughs> we're, we're, we're in a bit of a flow of traffic yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Here's your voice recorder. <laughs> this has now become a truly tr- mobile podcast. <laughs> Please excuse the sounds in the background. So yeah, what are we talking about? Frustrations about not being able to find what you're yeah. looking for and yeah. not being able to help people, which essentially means not being able to do your job. And not being able to say, like, explain why, because it was so complicated, all the yeah. licensing issues were so complicated. And even explaining it to people who, you know, are budget holders and, you know, decision makers in our institutions can be really difficult. Cause yeah. It doesn't make sense why something that should be essential for libraries, it is essential for libraries, why it should be so expensive and so prohibitively priced. Um, and it's because, and because it's so complicated, you start explaining it to people, and librarians always say they don't have enough money, always. Yeah. And so you you come out and say we, you, you say well I can't, I can't get these ebooks because I can't afford them, mm. and you you just and I just start to see eyes glazing over because I'd be saying yeah. because this 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 and people would just shut off because it 
it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty dull to yeah, <laughs> have ebook licensing. Yeah, it seems license. like you're being unhelpful in, yes. the, in the thing that yeah. they need you for most. Like faculty contact you, they, they have reading list material, they expect the library to provide it. If you then get into a long discussion about why you can't do that, as you said, their mm -hmm. eyes start to glaze over. They don't want to listen to the complexities of academic publishing and why prices are so unstable. They just want their books. Yeah. They just want their books. And another problem was um, publishers are, are, are circumventing librarians. And so they're going, they were going straight to the academics and saying to the academics, well, your librarian can buy this book on this package or this package. And, you know, and, and so I'd get academics coming back to me and saying, well, Oxford University Press said that you could buy it here. And I'd, and I'd have to say, well, well, I can't because we'd have to buy a bundled package that's mm -hmm. thousands of pounds just to access that one title they're telling you about yeah and the academic will go oh okay then and they go back to o Oxford University Press and Oxford University Press will say okay but the librarian can buy it on this bundle instead then and yeah. it was just con I was just so frustrating so frustrating it, I don't think it a lot of these conversations with publishers were not were not done in good faith on mm. their part yeah um they weren't being honest and the, the initial couple of weeks because I mean it's probably only about six weeks um, where there was a big fanfare publishers were giving access to ebooks for free yeah there was a, a rush of providing material to libraries in the early days of the pandemic particularly I was working in a health library mm. they were throwing things at us but you always knew at some point they're going to come and take it back and it was in June of the same year for a lot of the providers, yeah. and not many people knew that. So it was, and that the pandemic, I mean, there were lockdowns for the next two years. Yeah, none of us could have known that we were going to be in this sustained period of lockdown and mm. ease, fluctuating restrictions and easing restrictions. But yeah. at the time, because I'm pretty cynical, but sadly, mm -hmm. I've quite often proven right, I, I just saw it as a cynical marketing ploy. I was just thinking they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're getting us kind of hooked on these packages that are free. And wh how when they withdraw them, how are we going to explain to students we, c we don't have them anymore? Yeah, and it's going to put us in a very difficult position, which is yeah. what did happen, that we were ended up being put in a difficult position of having mm -hmm. to explain why we then couldn't continue to pro provide access to something that they had previously been able to access. Yeah. So what was kind of the next step for you then in terms of just thinking, right, I, I need to do something about this or what, where can I go from here? I just got, I just got really angry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I hate, like, it just felt like really unjust to me and I hate unjust, I hate um, unjust situations and I'm a, very much a doer like mm. I, I don't like be not being able to control things so I thought well I could just sit here and sink ever deeper into yeah. a pit of dismay which is what the world felt like at the time mm -hmm. or I can try and do something about it and so um I put I put a call out to followers on on Twitter about um putting together a an open letter to write to ministers mm. to, to try and get some support and I got pretty much got tumbleweed um, yeah but there were a few uh, a lot of people were kind of cheering me on but 
people were so busy with their own challenges that mm. the volunteers were quite scarce. But Caroline Ball and Rachel Bickley were yeah. um, some of the first to step up mm. and offer their help. And um, Ben White also mm. uh, from not now who's now working for Knowledge Twenty One um, leapt in and said we'll help you and they they were invaluable they really were invaluable mm. apologies to anybody else I've not, I've not <laughs> mentioned but <laughs> it was a bit of a whirlwind at the time and so we just hurriedly put this letter together and and publicized published it and sent it to the education select committee mm. and, and I thought that would probably just end there I didn't think people would take a lot of notice of it because I've campaigned before and you it's, it's pretty it's pretty hard um, to get anybody to take any notice of anything mm. or I hoped that the professional bodies or sector leaders in the UK would would take it on and that that didn't happen so I thought well we're, we're if if nobody else is going to do it we'll we'll yeah. do it but we did get a groundswell of support from other librarians on Twitter mm. and uh, we reached a thousand signatures in a week and yeah. that was not just from librarians that was from academics it was from students it was from um, small publishers it was from open access advocates mm. lots of different people and it's just it's just exploded yeah <laughs> it's exploded and here I, I, I am it's just, <laughs> uh, it was something that hit at the right time yeah. everyone was feeling the pain of this situation and the frustration and frankly the anger which mm. is really like the appropriate response to a situation like this and sometimes it takes a bit of anger to get things done um yeah so yeah, it seem to just snowball very yeah quickly. and people tend to feel like they can't do anything to change stuff and like a lot of mm. people would say to me but well, we can't change it that's just what publishers are like or there are quite a few people who were as soon as you do something there were always people on the sidelines who were mm -hmm. saying, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> or why haven't you done it this way? Or have you thought about the unintended con consequences of what you're doing? And, the, and, and But you can't, you, can't just, you can't just be scared into a, or think yourselves into a position of inertia, which I think the library profession is really, really <laughs> good at doing. Really I think particularly yeah. around something like this where, you know, there's a an established pattern of faculty ask for books we get the books we mm. don't really question what they're asking for and you know i think what's what's needed in this is a but we do and we should yeah we, do, and we should we should yeah. go back to them and we need to ed educate them yeah. about look this is the the situation we don't we're not criticizing you you didn't know about it but look maybe you need to rethink um your course reading material mm -hmm. or this is why we can't provide access to this and you need to know about it before you begin creating reading lists and making recommendations for what yeah. students should have access to in the library and signing contracts with publishers because yeah. it's i mean that if some of the data we collected of the like publishing practices that were going on there were so many comments from librarians who were saying this lecturer wrote this book and wants it access to it for their students mm -hmm. but the library can't buy it because of the licensing restrictions or it's not available as an ebook mm. and so academics need educating in the the questions that they need to ask publishers before they sign that contract which is another which is another kind of project that we that yeah. we did in ebook it's another kind of like a tentacle that comes off the same issue it, it yeah. all goes back to people's understanding of rights 
and you know their own kind of copyright copyright over their own material and get back to the you know, the, the original source as, they, as always the author if they can be more informed before they produce uh, their scholarly output mm-hmm. then maybe we have a little bit more of an opportunity to have it be equally accessible to the people who need to access it yeah so once he realized well maybe it's going to take a little bit more than this what were you sort of thinking then like okay where do I go from here or how did you decide there's been no time there's been no (laughs) there's been no breathing space to even think about that it's just been a it's just been a whirlwind really um we very quickly got the attention of the local press not sorry not the local press mm. but the national press so the BBC and the Guardian Times Higher 1KG and so and that's the <laughs> sort of press that as a librarian and that as a profession we never get no and I just couldn't I, the amount of times I had to pinch myself like how is it me in this situation mm. <laughs> how is it me and I was just finding myself in these bizarre like meeting with it's government advisors, like policy advisors, who are briefing the higher education minister. Mm. Um, that's another long story. Talking to the Competition and Markets Authority, mm. talking like doing big presentations, like doing k- keynotes for Canadian uh, Canadian conferences and yeah. all, all over the world. And I just, it was just a blur, really. And but there's 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 clearly a gap and a need for yeah. people to take action. I think and it's that this is something we were all grappling with. We were all clearly frustrated mm-hmm. by, and we were probably all standing on the sidelines waiting for someone to to take the torch and run with it. And it just happened to be you. And we all need to sort of get behind you now and help you carry it. Um, so I suppose yeah. that's the the real question now. Like where what what do you want the library community to do to help support you and how can we get behind you and get behind the ebook SOS campaign? I think, I mean, that's a really important question because I think, um, or I know, we, we are at a, a quite a critical point with ebook SOS where th- it's three librarians mm. with full-time jobs yeah. who are doing an awful lot of work and an lo- awful lot of work in our own time and we've got no mm. funding, um, it's at our own expense, it's our it's often <laughs> so I spent when I spend my evenings mm. writing letters to ministers this that and the other and I, I'm just thinking you know why am I doing this but um, yeah I, and I think there is a real danger of burnout mm-hmm. and we don't have the expertise we don't have the expertise to write policy and mm. and a, a approach various people and write funding grants and all this kind mm-hmm. of thing and we don't have the resources to do it so I think we really need a bit of time for reflection which I'd quite like to do after mm-hmm. IFLA and think about what is the best thing we can do um, to, to take this forward but what I would like to see um, particularly in the UK because in Ireland the Irish Associate, yeah, the Library Association, the Library Association of, Ireland of Ireland yeah has been wonderful like mm. so supportive and um Cahill yeah, McCauley well <laughs> yeah is a t- is a total legend I got to wear his presidential chains yesterday I, I was very excited yeah. don't think many people very get excited. <laughs> and um, I did give them back I did have to give them back um yeah so he's been tremendously supportive um mm. and other figures in 
libraries in Ireland, and mm-hmm. and not just academic libraries, but it's it's really cross sector in in Ireland. And I know you interviewed Cal, didn't you? So yes, I did. He did yeah, and he was he's was very much singing your <coughs> your praises. I know you and Cal ran <coughs> a satellite event on on Sunday addressing yeah. this issue of the ebook SOS campaign mm-hmm. and just where we go from here. And you had a number of yep. speakers. Yeah, it was really encouraging, really positive. Um, so many people are getting on board. I feel like I feel like change is is happening. I'm I'm under yeah. no illusions. I think I'm fully aware that whatever whatever initiatives we we do or mm-hmm. the library community does, it is likely to be hijacked by very very powerful and wealthy publishers. But we can only try, um, and. I just, I don't know. I just think that there's such a drive and a need for change that it's been, and being at IFLA, it's been really exciting to hear from people from uh, different jurisdictions who are, are planning. I mean, yesterday we mm-hmm. uh, translated our animation that we did, our information mm-hmm. animation the, the that we did. The, the Please, notes. thank yeah. you. We translated that into German with help mm-hmm. from German colleagues that were at the event you spoke yeah. spoke of that yeah. Cahill was was. Um, involved in with me and we've had a few other people asked to do the same and we've had meetings with library futures from the states and with knowledge 21 and um lots of different things so i think it's it's really positive and i'd like i'd really like to see the uk um the uk sector leaders following Mm -hmm. the the irish colleagues example and lifting up librarians and empowering them to yeah. have a voice and have a platform because it's it's really frightening and overwhelming mm. taking on these big publishers and Cahill has given us this this platform and helped us have a voice and um, yeah the important we, we, thing is having the, being able to have these conversations because yes. the momentum builds when we all realise that we're all facing the same enemy as yes. ever and that the best way to defeat the situation is to unite in the absolutely, face of this issue. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and um, Silip, the Chartered Institute of Library and Information Professionals, mm-hmm. wrote to um, the Competition and Markets Authority asking them for an investigation. And I know that mm-hmm. they are speaking to parliamentary groups, library groups, and, and I'm hoping that the library associations internationally will come together mm. and um, empower people to yeah. to speak out. And I really hope that people, that library leaders go back to their acquisitions teams and talk to them and their librarians mm-hmm. and say, what is going on with you, with, with you in your daily working life and how can, how can I help give you a voice and raise a profile to make things better for our students and yeah. and there are some really key people who've done that and that needs to happen yeah more. and to understand that like this is our job mm-hmm. I've been really heartened by the number of talks that I've been to in the last day and a half almost two days now that have really strengthened the notion of librarians as being activists and yeah. that this actually is part of our job and it always has been that mm-hmm. maybe we haven't always been as vocal about it because we haven't always lived in as difficult or challenging times as we'd like to say but the, the, the time is now and if you know as I think Laurie said Laurie Bridges said in the 
podcast interview I did with her you know if, if not you who if not now when and certainly this is the time you know we're faced with a huge challenge and we need more people like you to, to step up but the rest of us need to get behind you now I I so, people uh, people that know me probably get sick of me banging on about <laughs> about librarian ethics but yeah. I think I mean you say that we've 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 always had that activist aspect of our mm. of our roles and you know we can make a difference to society but I think that librarians have, have slept walked into this and and we've mm. got so obsessed with processes so process driven acquisition where librarians aren't involved in collection development mm. often um, my role is quite rare in that I am um, and so it's it's academics clicking a button that going to mm. the acquisitions team what's the cost of it clicking a button and there it is yeah. and I and we've I think we've lost oversight of how we're managing our collections how well we know our collections and how um sustainable it is into the future so yeah. a lot of these electronic materials that we do not own if they go like we saw with the Dawson era collapse mm. if they go well, we've got massive gaps in our collection and we 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 really need to take back control of these collections mm. um so that people continue to, can continue to access them and we can loan them in a way in ways that we always have so i think there is a big it's almost like poking the sleeping giant and yeah. then that's we're starting it to wake feels up feels like there is a build up to something and i'm yeah. interested to see where it goes yeah um i'm gonna have to let you go now because i know you have an, another meeting but thank you so much um for chatting with me and where where can people go to to find out more about, about ebook sos and help join the fight so there is a um academic ebooks campaign dot org i think that's terrible isn't yeah, it i'll put the link <laughs> yeah, in if you can put the link if you can put the link up that would be great thank you we've got an open letter that mm. we've just uh, that was for uk um based librarians but demand has been tremendous so we've mm -hmm. opened it up internationally so yeah. anybody can sign it so if people would like to go and sign that letter please do mm. and um there's various resources on the website and we've um had librarians given us examples of mm. if complicated licensing situations where they can't buy books which has been really helpful yeah. so that sort of data which people will see on the website um, and I would just ask people to go and use that information and go out there to academics to library users to students to their directors to mm. budget holders to their local MP yeah and, I think and that's the next level that yes. needs to go to you know to, to bring it to your political absolutely and you may think they'll do nothing, there's no point, but um, me and my local MP are so politically, like, different ends of the political spectrum, mm. but it was he that first raised it with the education minister. Yeah. I mean, because ultimately, it's public money. Yes. Um, if you're in an academic institution, if you're in someone yeah. that's funded by public money, this is a, a crisis because it's a wastage of mm -hmm. public funds. Yeah. So it needs yeah. to be investigated on that front. And even if they don't do anything, you're you're raising it in their head, like it's mm. in their conscience. And the more it's like drip, drip, drip. The more people yeah. mention it, the more it's it's talked about. So, um, we've had uh, members of parliament raising the issue. We've had House of the House of Lords, which is a mm. UK political establishment. I won't go into the con. <laughs> go 
yeah. into the details, but they've you know they've been raising the issue for us and. Um, and I think it is just building, building, and the I think publishers hoped we'd go away, and the education ministers thought that we might go away, but it's not mm. going away, and so yeah. and the situation is not going away. To it. So the situation isn't going away, no. And I think publishers are rattled. So let's give give them a run for our money. <laughs> our money. Yeah, exactly. They've had <laughs> enough of our money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, well, thank you so much um, for chatting with me and enjoy the rest of the IFLA experience. It's great to have you here in Dublin. Thank you so much. Thank you to Joanna for the interview and for her tireless work on the ebook SOS campaign and for the chats in the pub, which thankfully for both of us, I didn't record. We're looking forward to your next visit to Dublin. Joanna also sends very special thanks and gratitude to Knowledge Rights 21, who brought her to Dublin to spread the ebook SOS message. I'll put their details in the episode notes, um, along with the information about the ebook SOS campaign, so you can find out more about the work of Knowledge Rights 21 um, and how they're working to facilitate fair access to ebook content and advocating for copyright retention. Their position statement on ebooks and e-lending gives a very comprehensive summary of the current position and the requirements for clarity, uh, referencing the 2016 European Court of Justice ruling on lending rights, so it's very well worth reading. I'd urge anyone listening to this to do what you can to support the ebook SOS campaign by signing the open letter and by taking any opportunity to raise awareness of the issue. There's a great little am- animation on the ebook SOS site that sums up the issues in one minute, as well as resources and background reading. You can also buy ebook SOS merchandise. As Joanna said, this work now needs funding if it's to take the campaign to the next level. I'll have the second of the IFLA-themed episodes out uh, tomorrow. In it, I talk to members of the IFLA New Professionals Group about their experience of the Congress and their time in Dublin, and I have a short interview with IFLA President Barbara Lisson. So make sure to subscribe to get it when it lands. You can subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, and by popular demand, I've now added the podcast to Spotify. So if you're a new listener, you can go back and catch up with past episodes and ponder the inexplicably erratic pattern of release. Talk to you soon. Librarians Allowed is produced and presented by Laura Rooney-Ferris. Music and sound design are by Michael Ferris.